You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, December 8th, 2022. Coming up this hour... Wall Street looks to snap a five-day losing streak as recession fears pile up. Stocks in Hong Kong rally on her force that mask-wearing requirements may be scrapped. Elon Musk's bankers consider new margin loans to cut risky Twitter debt. And disgraced crypto founder Sam Bankman-Fried may soon appear on Capitol Hill. Governor Hochul announces her plans for New Yorkers to avoid the triple-demic, plus New Jersey. Jersey Governor Murphy is out of the hospital after surgery. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stash, Aaron Sports. Aaron Judge re-signed with the Yankees. The Mets had a pitcher. Wins for the Knicks, Nets, Rangers, and St. John. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are higher this morning. It is 501 on Wall Street. We check the markets all day long at Bloomberg Radio. Right now, S&P futures are up five points or a tenth of a percent. Dow futures are little changed. NASDAQ futures up two tenths of a percent or 23 points. The DAX in Germany, little changed. Ten-year Treasury down 830 seconds, yield 3.44 percent. The yield on the two-year is at 4.27 percent. Nathan. Well, Karen, stocks are coming off five straight days of losses and the biggest moves have been in the bond market. The spread between the two and 10-year yields, a gauge often used to predict recessions, is its most inverted since the 1970s. David Hardin is chief investment officer at Summit Global Investments. Well, I think people are still a little bit focused on the possibility of this uh, Powell pivot. I think that's uh, in people's minds and hopes. I think uh, maybe they're wanting that under their Christmas tree, if you will. And and so I think the stocks are a little bit more focused on him uh, playing Santa Claus for us. But in all reality, the bond market might have it right. They seem to get it right a lot more often. So we have to pay attention to that move. Summit Global Investments, David Harden says the main focus for traders remains sharply on the Fed. Well, in Asia overnight, Nathan, Hong Kong was the top performer in the region. The Hang Seng gained more than 3% in today's session. And we get the recap from Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann in Hong Kong. Karen and Nathan, the region really only being lifted by one story in Hong Kong. After reports, the city is looking at scrapping rules that require masks at public venues, also cutting quarantine times from seven to five days. The reopening trade was once again on fire from Macau casinos, airlines to retail, all up on the news. This clear preference on Chinese equities and renminbi it is quite clear now, with sources telling us Chinese regulators have asked the nation's biggest insurers to buy bonds after retail investors offloaded cash from their fixed income investments. In Hong Kong, I'm Yvonne Mann, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Yvonne, thank you. Meantime, in China, senior health advisors warning the vast majority of the population may eventually contract COVID. The government is now taking steps toward reversing its zero-tolerance policy. The former deputy chief of China's disease control agency says 60% of the population could get infected in the first wave. 
Back here in the U.S., Nathan Tesla and Twitter are the names we're watching. Bankers for Elon Musk are considering providing the billionaire with new margin loans tied to the companies. And we get the details live with Bloomberg's Steve Rappaport. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. The margin loans are one of several options for Musk's backers to ease the burden of the $13 billion Twitter took on as part of his acquisition of the platform. The banks led by Morgan Stanley put up their own cash to supply the entire debt package. Because of a decline in credit markets, Musk's tumultuous start at the helm of Twitter didn't help the cause either. The company is estimated to face annual interest costs of about $1.2 billion if the current debt structure remains in place. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Steve. Turning to the crypto space, we could soon get more information on the epic collapse of FTX. Disgraced founder Sam Bankman-Fried may appear on Capitol Hill as soon as next week. Details from Bloomberg's Amy Morris in our 99.1 newsroom in Washington. The Senate Banking Committee has asked Bankman-Fried to appear on Capitol Hill December 14th. Lawmakers want more information about the collapse of FTX, and they want to know, quote, how client funds were misappropriated, how clients were blocked from withdrawing their own money, and how you orchestrated a cover-up. The House Financial Services Committee hearing is set for the 13th. Bankman-Fried had said he might not be ready to testify by then. Chair Maxine Waters says a subpoena is, quote, definitely on the table. In Washington, and I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. Right, Amy, thank you. That's not the only news on disgraced former executives this morning. Late yesterday, former Theranos president and chief operating officer Ramesh Sunny was sentenced to prison. And Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has that story. The sentence coming from U.S. District Judge Edward Davila in San Jose, 13 years for defrauding investors and patients of Theranos. Balwani ran the blood testing startup alongside its founder and chief executive officer, Elizabeth Holmes. The sentence is very close to what prosecutors had asked for a term of 15 years. The judge said he'll decide later how much restitution must be paid. The government has asked for both to be ordered to pay about $800 million. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. In the labor market, inflation plus a battle for talent and now cost-cutting efforts are making for an interesting picture of corporate America. Now we're learning ExxonMobil is awarding its U.S. employees pay increases above inflation just weeks after posting record profit. Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet reports. It underscores just how strong 2022 has been for the fossil fuel industry, while other sectors like technology and finance are cutting jobs. Sources tell Bloomberg workers will receive an average salary bump of 9%, and those who got promoted will see an additional 5% increase. A spokeswoman for ExxonMobil says in aggregate, it is Exxon's biggest salary award in 15 years. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thanks. And it's a different labor story at the New York Times. More than a 1,000 employees are preparing to stage a one-day walkout today. It escalates a standoff with management over a stalled contract. A New York Times spokesperson said the company was disappointed that the News Guild was threatening to strike. Again, futures are higher this morning with S&P futures up seven points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. It's 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 51 degrees in Central Park. Should be nice today. Sunny and mild. Highs in the low 50s. We're going to get down to the mid-30s tonight. It's going to be a little cooler as we head into the weekend. Now let's bring in Michael Barr with a look at what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Governor Kathy Hochul is pushing efforts to keep New Yorkers healthy with winter and the holidays just ahead. Hochul says people need to take precautions because COVID cases are ticking up alongside RSV in children and influenza. We're not out of the woods. The threat is real. And we have cases. Uh, you remember this? We were watching this intensely. The winter is often a tough time for the most vulnerable, but Hochul promises New York will be ready. Complacency is our enemy. That is my biggest fear, that people are so desensitized and feeling that, well, it is the norm. Yes, it has become our norm, but it does not have to be the norm that everybody gets sick. Governor Hochul says the state will provide testing, vaccines, and nearly 8,000 ventilators set to be sent to hospitals that need them. Mayor Eric Adams says the system to provide affordable housing is broken, not just in New York City, but all over the country. Adams speaking at a faith-based summit in New York says we all just need to stop kicking the can down the road. 
There's no desire to come and bring you together and say you have uh, all of this property. Why don't you come with a real housing plan? There's no desire to fix it. People are making money off the dysfunctionality of our cities across America. A frustrated Adam says, we know at the beginning of the year we are going to fail a large number of people, and they're primarily black and brown and immigrants. The White House says President Joe Biden will announce a $36 billion bailout for the Central States Pension Fund, helping to shore up one of the nation's biggest multi-employer plans. The president angered some of his labor allies last week by signing legislation imposing a contract he personally helped to negotiate between freight railroads and their unions, averting a possible strike that threatened to cripple the economy. However, four of the 12 unions involved rejected the contract. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy had minor surgery yesterday and is recuperating at home. The governor's office did not specify what the surgery was for, but said it was a medical procedure. Officials also said it was not related to the cancerous tumor Murphy had removed from his kidney in 2020. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barb. This is Bloomberg News. All right, Michael. Thank you. Almost 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, Nathan. After the news that Aaron Judge had re-signed with the Yankees, some details emerged about how it all went down. Believed to be a two-horse race between the Yanks and Giants. The San Diego Padres swooped in at the 11th hour, offered Judge a reported 10 years, $400 million. That got the attention of Yankee owner Hal Steinbrenner, who was vacationing in Italy. He got on the phone with Judge upped his offer to the nine years, $360 million that got the deal done. Yankee GM Brian Cashman said Steinbrenner was the Mariano Rivera of the negotiations. The Padres then used some of that money last night to sign Xander Bogarts away from the Red Sox for 11 years, $280 million. Winter meetings end with 18 players having signed contracts worth a total of $1.6 billion. The Mets out of the pitcher, veteran Jose Quintana. This will be his seventh team. He pitched to an ERA under three last season. Knicks all of a sudden playing defense. They'd allowed over 100 points in each of the first 23 games. They allowed under 90 in the last two. They beat Atlanta at the Garden 113-89. to Big game for Julius Randle, 34 points, 17 rebounds, 5 assists. At Barclays, Nets made it 5 of the last 6, beat Charlotte 122-116. to 116. Kyrie Irving, 33 points. Kevin Durant had 29 and Seth Curry, 20. And the three of them together had 23 assists. Big third period for the Rangers. They scored four times in a span of less than six minutes. And they beat Vegas, the top team in the West. 5-1, to one. Big East opener for St. John's, an 86-67 win over DePaul. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thank you, John. And Bloomberg Sports was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours to- today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. 5-11 on Wall Street. Just ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, we'll get more on China's moves away from COVID-0. First, S&P futures are up four points. Dow futures up nine. NASDAQ futures are higher by 24 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 7.30 seconds. The yield 3.44% yield on the two-year, 4.27%. That is an inversion of 83 basis points. It's 5.12 on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And we want to turn now to what's happening in China and the optimism we're seeing in markets there with even more signs that the government in Beijing is putting COVID zero in the past. We're joined now live from Hong Kong by Bloomberg's Rebecca Chung Wilkins. Rebecca, it's good to have you back with us this morning. I guess the latest we're hearing from top health officials in China is a warning about potentially the vast majority of the country getting infected. It sounds like a pretty significant, at least rhetorical change from what we've been hearing from the Chinese government in the past. Absolutely. It's a very, very significant shift, and it's really the first time that we've seen very high-level officials, in this case a former deputy chief of China's CDC, uh, talking about the potentials of full ramifications. And, and his estimates are quite strikingly high. So he's saying at just in the first wave of infections, which essentially sort of we are entering right now, about 60% of the population is going to be infected with uh, some variant of COVID. And just to put that into context, 
um, in the U.S., that, that, that estimate is currently for all of the waves is estimated at around 58%. So it is very, very high, and it really does underscore the challenge for China here, which is whether or not its healthcare system can really support um, the, the spread of the virus so quickly through its population. Well, what could this new stance potentially mean for China's economy? I mean, we're getting some pretty strong warnings from uh, some of the biggest uh, firms on Wall Street about what a move away from COVID zero could mean in terms of the potential for, uh, you know, temporary shutdowns of businesses, that sort of thing. Yes, indeed. I mean, disruption from uh, COVID outbreaks, particularly lockdowns, uh, we already sort of saw through the very weak import-export data, both of which was was weaker than expected. Um, And and that really is going to continue. Um, Longer term, of course, the hope is that it will offset the the sort of longer uh, consequences of COVID and how the extent to which it's really weighed on the Chinese economy, particularly on consumer demand and production as well. Um, the one sort of bright spot here is that if China does effectively move away from lockdown, which has been the thing that really has uh, sort of stymied production when that hit certain factories, that could actually eventually sort of lead to a sustained um, a sustained level of production and level out. Um, which we haven't really seen uh, China trying to do at a sort of countrywide level so far. Uh, Notwithstanding the macroeconomic potential here, it was really interesting overnight to see the reaction in the market, particularly with the Hang Seng in Hong Kong jumping 3.4 percent. I guess that's related as well uh, to some restrictions being eased in the city, right? Yes, indeed. So uh, Hong Kong, although most of the restrictions can be lifted, we still have a mask mandate both indoors and outdoors. So there is this speculation. Local media has reported, citing one uh, one source, that we may be seeing a lifting of the mask mandates outside and some of the testing regulations may be lifted. So there's still quite rigorous testing when you re-enter Hong Kong. Um, there's still mandatory testing when you arrive, for example, and then you have to continue to go to these centres to test. So that is help driving these moves. I will say, though, as much as we're seeing sort of Chinese assets and Hong Kong assets ripping and roaring, they tend to be trading on the rumors. So we're having rumors sort of ripping through the market that this is going to be lifted or that's going to be lifted. And then when we actually see the announcement, it's somehow not quite meeting those expectations. So then we saw a bit of a pullback in the sell-off. So that so far has sort of been the characteristics of trading over the last couple of days, I'd say. But in terms of the uh, announcements that we're hearing from uh, the uh, Chinese mainland and the war- uh, warnings from the health officials here, I mean, that sort of highlights uh, how far behind I think China is in terms of the way they're going about this virus compared to the rest of the world, which has been warning their populations about the potential for people being infected, majorities being infected for quite some time. Yeah, isn't it remarkable? I mean, it is the thing that always comes up when I when I talk to people or even, you know, this year was the first year I visited overseas in two years after really strict quarantine um, measures in Hong Kong. And it's such a different reality that people are living in, particularly in mainland China, um, where there have been such stringent restrictions on daily life. It was just a few months ago that Shanghai, a city of 26 million, was locked down for, for nearly two months and sometimes for longer for some people. So, you know, this sort of speaks to some of that frustration we saw with the protests where a lot of this sort of anger over these policies have bubbled over and not just sort of in Beijing or Shanghai, but really in these sort of major cities across China. So it is, there is this also social unrest element where that China's sort of lengthy, protracted experience of COVID restriction measures is now starting also to weigh on morale. All right, Rebecca Chung-Wilkins with us live from Hong Kong and from Bloomberg News. Thank you, as always, for uh, keeping us up to date on what's happening in China. Of course, we continue to watch the world's second largest economy very closely and the implications of what their China or what their COVID stance could mean, uh, not just uh, for the domestic economy in China, but more broadly around the world. Looking ahead to the market open this morning, S&P futures are up three points. Dow futures down one now. And uh, NASDAQ futures are higher by 19 points, so pretty much little changed across the board. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. 
markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are higher this morning. European equities, meanwhile, are extending a four-day slide as optimism over a potential downshift in Federal Reserve rate hikes deflates in the face of economic headwinds. We check the markets all day long here at Bloomberg Radio and S&P futures. They're up about three points, up about a tenth of a percent. Dow futures are little changed, and NASDAQ futures up two-tenths percent or 19 points. Ten-year Treasury down 8.30 seconds, yield 3.44 percent. The yield on the two-year, 4.27 percent. And NYMEX crude oil is up 1% or 71 cents at $72.73 a barrel. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. At least two more classified documents have been found in possession of former President Donald Trump. His lawyers say they discovered the material while searching a storage unit in West Palm Beach, Florida. The House is set to take a final vote on protections for same-sex marriages. Today's vote will send the legislation to President Joe Biden. In the NBA, the Nets, Knicks, and Celtics were winners. The Wizards and Warriors lost. In the NHL, the Rangers, Bruins, and Capitals all won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. It's 520. Three on Wall Street. I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and we're watching shares of biopharmaceutical company Prometheus Biosciences this morning. They're up about 6% in the pre-market, but they surged yesterday by an intraday record of more than 200%. That's after the company announced two mid-stage studies of its experimental drug for inflammatory bowel disease. CEO Mark McKenna joined Paul Sweeney and Matt Miller on Bloomberg Radio yesterday to discuss the news. Let's listen to that conversation now. What a story. Talk to us first about the breakthrough. Today's a momentous day for patients who are suffering from IBD. This is a uh, chronic disease where they wax and wane. They're switching from drug to drug, trying to find relief. And the um, up until this point, most of the drugs in the, the category only provide 10 to 15 percent remission. Um so we can do better for these patients. And today, the data that we showcased was, um, uh, you know, at the, sets a new high watermark for drugs in this category across efficacy and safety. Can you give us the layman's version of how it works? There's three ways to def- to bring innovation to this category. Number one is um, novel targets where there's actually a genetic association to the disease. Um, you, you, everyone on the audience probably understands how important this is in other disease areas like oncology. Um, number two is precision medicine, being able to use a diagnostic to identify the right patient for the right drug. And the third is rational combinations, being able, like in oncology, being able to combine two different agents to get superior efficacy. What we showcase today is that on a monotherapy, so meaning the, the TL1A drug by itself, showed superior clinical remission to current um, standard of care. Um, most analysts were looking at 10 to 15 percent clinical remission, and we delivered 25 percent. This is a global placebo-controlled trial, and what we're doing is we're taking the playbook out of oncology, and we have a diagnostic. So, in addition to having a, a really great drug, we have a diagnostic that helps predict who's likely to respond to this drug. So you can just imagine, um, you know, healthcare costs is always a focus, right? right? How, how do you actually bring down costs? while still getting best, the best patient care. So with, with data in hand, we are moving forward to engage with the FDA and other regulatory bodies outside the U.S., and we'll initiate phase three studies um, in, in next year. Um, so we need to conduct uh, uh, phase three studies in UC and Crohn's, and uh, we, look, uh, we look to activate those next year. What's the next step for a company like yours when you have this kind of breakthrough, time to market, path to market? How does that all work for a company like yours? Yeah, so we haven't guided to a specific time to market, but what I would say is that most analysts have us uh, commercializing the drug in the second half of 26, the first half of 27. Um, look, we, we said all along um, that we have two objectives. Number one is we want to get these drugs to patients as fast as possible. Um, we believe that we are the, the, the potentially the best hope uh, to bring meaningful clinical remission to these patients. Number two is we want to maximize shareholder value. 
and we have a, a very strong balance sheet. We are uh, well positioned to be able to execute on the phase threes independently. With this data in hand, it, it, it really sets us apart from other TL1A programs as well as the rest of, quite frankly, the rest of the class. And that was Prometheus Biosciences CEO Mark McKenna speaking with Bloomberg's Paul Sweeney and Matt Miller. You can catch that full interview on the tape podcast as well as on Bloomberg.com and always on the Bloomberg terminal. Again, shares of Prometheus Biosciences up 6% in early trading. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI, built on advanced technologies and 50 years of innovation. SEI offers asset managers a comprehensive and flexible operations outsourcing platform. Go to SEIC.com slash managers. Straight ahead here on Bloomberg Daybreak, we'll get you this morning's top stories, plus your local headlines and a check of markets. But first... Let's bring in Bloomberg meteorologist Bob Carolyn for a, Rob Carolyn for a look at the weather. High pressures push close enough to the area that will turn partly sunny today. We'll find temperatures between 50 and 55. It'll be partly cloudy close to 35 overnight, 20s in the suburbs. Tomorrow, partial sun, a little cooler, a high of 45. Clouds, a few peaks of sunshine on Saturday. The clouds went out, highs near 45. And rain or wet snow, possible times on Sunday, 40 to 45. I'm Rob Carolyn with your weekend forecast on Bloomberg 1130. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 528 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and we're about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. U.S. stock index futures, little change to higher this morning. Stocks coming off five straight days of losses, and the spread between the two-year and ten-year yields is the most inverted since the 1970s. PGM chief investment strategist and head of global bonds Robert Tipps says he sees moderate earnings risk on the horizon, which is skewing the balance away from equities. Normally, you'd have equity returns expected to be much higher than bonds, but bonds have really been re-rated here. The Fed is going to need to be careful not to torpedo the economy, but they know that. PGM's Robert Tipp says he expects the bond market to continue performing well as the Fed raises rates. Well, in Asia overnight, Karen, Hong Kong was the top performer in the region. The Hang Seng gained more than 3% in the session. That's after local media reported Hong Kong's considering scrapping its outdoor mask mandate and easing testing requirements. Well, Nathan, back here in the U.S., Twitter and Tesla are back in the news. Bankers for Elon Musk are considering providing the billionaire with new margin loans. Bloomberg Steve Rappaport joins us live with more on that story. And good morning, Steve. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. Margin loans backed by Tesla stock is one option for banks to ease the high interest debt Twitter took on when Musk acquired the company. Dwindling credit markets combined with Musk's bumpy start as Twitter's CEO forced bankers to cover the $13 billion debt with their own cash. Sources tell Bloomberg talks are focused on ways to replace the $3 billion of unsecured debt, on which Twitter pays nearly 12% interest. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thank you. Another corporate note this morning, former Theranos President and Chief Operating Officer Ramesh Sunny Balwani has been sentenced to 13 years in prison. It comes after the company's founder, Elizabeth Holmes, was sentenced to 11 years for fraud. Well, turning to another disgraced venture here, Nathan, FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried may be appearing on Capitol Hill next week. Republican Arkansas Representative French Hill says having Sam Bankman-Fried speak with lawmakers is a priority for the next Congress. Patrick McKendry, the ranking Republican, and Maxine Waters, the chair of the committee, they want him here personally. If he's got time to interview a deal book with Andrew Ross Sorkin and make all these Twitter appearances, he can appear before our committee. And we'll bring you more of our interview with Arkansas Congressman French Hill later in the program. And again, futures this morning, they are higher. S&P futures up tenth of a percent, up five points this morning. Dow futures, little changed. NASDAQ futures up a quarter percent, or about 27 points. The DAX in Germany is down almost two-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 7.30 seconds, yield 3.44 percent. And the yield on the two-year, 4.27 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up three-quarters of a percent, up 54 cents at 72 
$2.55 a barrel, and COMEX gold down two-tenths of a percent. Straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports, and this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. It's 531 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr for some of those local headlines in New York and what's going on around the world. Michael? Nathan, New York Governor Kathy Hochul says complacency is our enemy when it comes to fighting COVID, the flu, and RSV. Step up this time. Step up in December and January and get us through February. Get us through the worst times by just, if you're going to see somebody that's in a vulnerable situation, just get tested. Governor Hochul says New York will be ready with testing, vaccines, and ventilators. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy is recovering at home after his office said that he had minor surgery yesterday. The governor's office would not say what the procedure was, except that the surgery was not related to a cancerous tumor he had removed in 2020. Mayor Eric Adams says the system to provide affordable housing is broken, not just in New York City, but all over. Adams spoke at a faith-based summit in New York. And all we do is kick the can down the road. We know at the beginning of the year we're going to fail a, a large number of people, and they're primarily black and brown and immigrant. And we know it. A frustrated Adam says we spend billions of taxpayer dollars for the broken issues we created. Months after the FBI seized records marked classified from Mar-a-Lago, more sensitive documents are surfacing, this time in a storage unit said to be used by former President Trump in Florida. Loyola Law University professor Lori Levinson. It is clear that the judges have gone to Trump and his lawyers and said, search again, look harder. Because National Archives does believe that there are more documents out there. Searches were reportedly conducted around Thanksgiving. The House Ethics Committee is investigating Democratic Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. They did not say, though, for what alleged, if any, violations of congressional rules. Global News 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 5.33 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashow. All right, Nathan. Yankee fans obviously relieved with the news that Aaron Judge is staying in New York, and now they want to know who might the Yanks add. They need a left fielder. Word is that might be the Pirates' Brian Reynolds or a return of Andrew Benintendi. They'd like to add a starting pitcher. Carlos Radon's been mentioned, but he's looking for a lot. Six years, $180 million. The money being thrown around is staggering. Much was made of Judge being the poster boy for betting on yourself by turning the Yanks down last spring. He ended up with almost $150 million more. How about Xander Bogarts? The Red Sox last spring offered him six years, $120 million, and like Judge, he passed, had a strong season. Bogarts signed last night with San Diego, 11 years, $280 million. Red Sox lost Bogarts, but they signed veteran reliever Kenley Jansen and Japanese outfielder Masataka Yoshida. The Mets signed veteran pitcher Jose Quintana for two years. He's about to turn 34. Last season, Quintana had the lowest home run allowed rate in the National League. Knicks and Nets both won at home. Knicks over Atlanta, 113-89. to They held the Hawks to 38% shooting for Julius Randle, 34 points, 17 rebounds. The Nets got 33 from Kyrie Irving and 29 for Kevin Durant. They beat Charlotte, 122-116. to Rangers in Vegas, 1-1 third period. Rangers scored four times. Mika's advantage had the first and last, both on the power play. Three goals in a span of under two minutes. The Rangers won 5-1. to St. John's beat DePaul, 86-67. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thank you. And Bloomberg Sports is brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model. You've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. It's 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Hudson Yards Developer Related Companies is proposing a resort with 1,500 guest rooms. The plan is part of a bid for one of New York's gaming licenses. Plans also call for about 20 restaurants, a nightclub, theater, and casino at the second phase of the project on Manhattan's far west side. Manhattan apartment rents went up a little in November after three months of declines, but the market is not returning to the hyper-competitive heights of the summer. Median rent rose about 2% from October to $4,095, third highest level ever recorded by Miller Samuel and Douglas Element Real Estate. India's Tata Consultancy 
is accused of bias against workers who are not South Asian or are U.S. born. The lawsuit was filed Wednesday in the U.S. District Court for the District of New Jersey by a former Tata employee. It's similar to prior cases against the IT services giant. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. All right, Ed. Thank you. Now for an update on small businesses. Let's go to Bloomberg's Lisa Mateo. With the Bloomberg Small Business Report brought to you by Dell, I'm Lisa Mateo. Some relief for businesses affected by natural disasters. The U.S. Small Business Administration says it will waive the interest rate for the first year on new disaster loans and extend the initial payment deferment period automatically to 12 months. The change covers all approved disaster loans declared on or after September 21st, 2022 through September 30th, 2023. Hiring is on the rise. The CBIZ Small Business Employment Index increased just over half a percent in November, reversing a downward trend for the previous three months. The company credits the growth to strengthen consumer spending. And small business owners in Florida are looking forward to the Formula One Grand Prix in Miami Gardens. Last year, the event proved a helpful boost to their profits as it drew in more than 240,000 visitors. This year, it will take place at Hard Rock Stadium in May. And that's the Bloomberg Small Business Report. Okay, Lisa, thank you for that. Let's take a look at these markets now. Uh, futures kind of quiet this morning. The action remains in the bond space with S&P futures right now up five points. Dow futures up 11. That's a little changed. And NASDAQ futures gaining just a little bit of ground right now. They're up 27 points. That's a gain of almost a quarter percent. Ten-year Treasury is down 8.30 seconds. The yield 3.44% on the benchmark. Yield on the two-year 4.27%. Two's 10 spread inverted by 83.5 basis points. NYMEX crudes up uh, eight tenths percent at seventy two fifty six a barrel, and COMEX gold is down uh, almost two tenths percent at seventeen ninety five twenty an ounce. We'll get a fuller look at this market next. SD Dweck, the chief investment officer at FlowBank, joins us next. This is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. stock index futures are higher this morning. European equities, meanwhile, are extending a four-day slide as optimism over a potential downshift in Federal Reserve rate hikes deflates in the face of some economic headwinds. We check the markets all day long on Bloomberg Radio. Right now, S&P futures are up four points, up a tenth of a percent. Dow futures are little changed. NASDAQ futures up two-tenths percent, or 25 points. The DAX in Germany is down almost two-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 8.30 seconds, yield 3.4. 4.4%. They yield on the two-year 4.27%. NYMEX crude oil is up 9 tenths percent or 64 cents at $72.64 a barrel. COMEX gold down 2 tenths percent or $3 at $17.95 an ounce. The euro 1.0502 against the dollar. British pound 1.2170. The yen is at 136.90. And Bitcoin it's a little changed at $16,800. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. The House is set to take a final vote on protections for same-sex marriages. Today's vote will send the legislation to President Joe Biden. Members of former President Donald Trump's team notified the FBI they had found additional documents marked as classified in a Florida storage facility near Palm Beach. The chair of the House committee investigating last year's January 6th attack on the Capitol says the panel's report will be released December 21st. In the NBA, the Nets, Knicks, and Celtics were winners. The Wizards and Warriors lost. In the NHL, the Rangers, Bruins, and Capitals all won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. It's 542 on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager along with Karen Moscow. Let's take a look at some of the other stories making news this morning. After the epic collapse of FTX, we are now learning the crypto exchange was holding talks to sponsor English Premier League teams Manchester United and Liverpool earlier this year. Let's get that story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. 
The discussions underscore the now bankrupt company's ambitions to expand its global reach and its willingness to spend significant sums of money to do so. Federal prosecutors in Manhattan have begun investigating FTX's collapse, a decline that included an unexplained $8 billion shortfall in funds, and the U.S. Justice Department's bankruptcy watchdog has called for an independent probe. The sources say the numbers associated with each of the potential multi-year Deals range from close to $100 million to north of that. FTX ultimately decided against sponsoring either team. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thanks. Well, on the economic front this morning, we get the latest reading on the labor market with the U.S. weekly jobless claims. is at an 8.30 Wall Street time. Economists say claims probably edged higher last week. Businesses have started trimming payrolls in anticipation of an economic slowdown. And Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Judice has more. Initial jobless claims retreated in the government's prior weekly report, falling to 225,000 from a three-month high of 241,000. Bloomberg Economics says layoffs aren't yet pervasive, but could accelerate, pushing the unemployment rate to 5% by 2024. In November, the unemployment rate held steady at 3.7%, near a half-century low. Vinitale, Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Vinny, thank you. Now let's get more on what could move markets today. For that, we're joined live by Esty Dweck, the Chief Investment Officer at Flowbank. Esty, good morning. I guess a lot of the focus for folks like you has to be on the data we're seeing in this economy. We've had uh, signs of continued strength in the labor market. Do you think that's going to hold up uh, with the claims that are due out later on this morning? Good morning. Well, we've seen that the claims numbers have held up uh, quite well and have stayed much lower than the probably than the Fed would like to see. But we're getting more and more anecdotal and evidence that the labor market is maybe not quite as tight as some of those headline numbers uh, make it seem. And I think that's going to be comforting to the Fed ahead of next week's CPI and, of course, the next Fed meeting. Yeah, we do have that uh, final read on inflation before that meeting coming up. Uh, we've got some uh, pretty mixed economic data ahead of all that. The continued strength of the labor market at the same time, uh, we're seeing some strength in the services sector as well. How does that potentially complicate things for this Fed? Well, the services numbers earlier in the week certainly didn't help and in part led to uh, the ongoing sell-off that we're still seeing. Um, well, we've seen up until yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see how that um, how that turns out today if futures are starting to point up a little bit. Um, I think today markets are worried that uh, this underlying strength is not going to last, that we're getting more and more indicators that um, – will have lagged effects in this economy and that things will deteriorate next year. I think the market's been a little overly negative in the last couple of days, but um, certainly we know that services are the area that uh, stayed strong. That's also the area where we're seeing the wage pressures and the tighter labor market. Um, so all of those are just one extra uh, headache for the Fed because other indicators are certainly pointing in the right direction for what the Fed's been trying to achieve. Interesting that you say that you're seeing maybe a bit of an overreaction in the markets. Of course, we've uh, gotten all the commentary this week from the uh, big Wall Street bank chiefs warning about recession. And, of course, now with the uh, twos and tens at this uh, 40-plus year inversion, uh, what are you seeing that makes you think that this could potentially be something of an overreaction? Well, the the yield curve inversion isn't new. We've had that for a while. Yes, it's become a little more extreme, but it's certainly been inverted for quite some time. And if you look below the headline of some of those bank uh, co- bank chief commentaries, they weren't as negative as some of the headlines made it to be. There's certainly a concern. And I think everyone, especially in the U.S. economy, you have that sort of preemptive Firing that happens, that trying to cut the cost, that's always something that we see banks do. And so they have uh, not an excuse, but at least uh, a reason for it. Um, but as we were saying earlier, some of these services numbers and some of this other economic data is holding up. So if the Fed is closer to the end um, of its tightening cycle, then it doesn't mean that the recession has to be as serious as what the markets are reacting to um 
this week, even though we haven't seen that many data points in that direction. So are you looking at certain sectors or certain styles uh, for opportunity in this type of environment where if if things pan out the way I think I hear you saying that they might, that the Fed might start to move toward slower interest rate hikes sooner than the market might be expecting? I think the market is expecting 50 basis points next week, and I think that's what we're going to get. Uh, whether we get another 25 early next year is uh, is a possibility, but we are uh, certainly getting towards the end of the aggressive part of the tightening cycle and potentially the tightening cycle. The Fed is going to spend a lot of time talking to us about higher for longer, and I think they're going to try to keep working to price out those rates cuts, rate cuts that the market has uh, in their numbers for the end of next year. So there's going to be work over there. But the slowdown, we haven't seen any real catalyst for the sharp correction in markets of the last uh, couple of days. We know that positioning got lighter again. So people just maybe got, they had a couple bad days and then they figured, oh, this was another bear market rally. Let's get out. That's certainly not helping. But the picture for the Fed hasn't changed so much in the last few days, and the picture for growth hasn't either. Got about 30 seconds left here, Esty. Of course, we saw that big surge in Hong Kong shares overnight on signs that uh, there could be even further easing away from the strictest COVID zero policies. Does China look more investable to you now? China does look more investable. Um, we're seeing a couple of different actions from the Chinese policymakers. One, mentioning that focus on growth. Two, of course, the reopening measures that we're seeing, although might not be quite as simple as, as the way we're looking at it right now, and, of course, the support for the real estate market. And when you put those together, 2023 is certainly looking better. If they look, if they kind of ease off on the regulation as well for some of the big tech, uh, it certainly makes it a more interesting investment env- environment. Thanks, as always, Esty. Great getting your thoughts. Esty Dweck, Chief Investment Officer at Flowbank, with us this morning. S&P futures right now up one point. Dow futures now down 21 points. NASDAQ futures higher by 16 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 830 seconds. The yield 3.44%. Yield on the two-year 4.27%. This is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are mostly higher with S&P futures up four points or a tenth of a percent. NASDAQ futures up two tenths percent or 24 points. Well, Dow futures are a little change this morning. The DAX in Germany is down about a third of a percent. Ten-year treasury down 830 seconds, yield 3.44 percent, and a yield on the two-year at 4.27 percent. Nymex crude oil is up one percent or 72 cents at $72.73 a barrel. COMEX gold down a tenth of a percent or $2.60 at seventeen ninety five forty an ounce. The euro, 1.0506 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2161. And the yen is at 136.93. Bitcoin this morning, little change at $16,800. And sources telling Bloomberg that Unilever is weighing the sale of a portfolio of U.S. ice cream brands that could be valued at as much as $3 billion. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Nathan. All right, Karen, thank you. It's now 5.56 on Wall Street. It's time for our daily Bloomberg Law Brief, exploring legal issues issues in the news. Today, we're looking at a Trump business that's been convicted of criminal conduct for the first time. After a month-long trial, a jury in New York has convicted two Trump organization companies, Trump Corporation and Trump Payroll Corporation, of all 17 counts against them, including a scheme to defraud, conspiracy, criminal tax fraud, and falsifying business records. The former president, Donald Trump, was not charged in this case. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks with Bloomberg Legal reporter Patricia Hurtado, who covered the trial. What's the likely sentence for this verdict? Well, both of the companies now face what is estimated to be a grand total of $1.6 million in fines for not having their employees pay these taxes and for being convicted. Some may say, well, that's paltry for a company like Trump or why does it matter? 
but it's a huge taint on the good name and goodwill of the company that is belongs to the former president. He obviously was tweeting about it and complaining that he knew nothing of this fraud. Some people are suggesting to us that it may make it more difficult for the company to do business because some lenders and possibly partners may not want to do any business anymore with the Trump org and its entities because of this conviction. Because why would you want to do business with a felon? There's nothing regulatory about state law. It's it's not as rigorous as one would hope to get. And yet, you know, it's got a reputational harm to it. Here's part of Trump's response. The case was about Alan Weisselberg committing tax fraud on his personal tax returns, etc. Every witness repeatedly testified that President Trump and the Trump family knew nothing about his actions. But wasn't there testimony about Trump approving these transactions and signing checks? They showed ledgers or memos where Trump was personally okaying certain bonus payments. And you saw his, you know, signature and initials with a black sharpie okaying these payments. You saw him approving certain executives getting car leases. There were three employees that testified for the prosecutors. And the testimony showed that basically Donald Trump had to and did approve and sign every check over $2,500. So when you start thinking about, well, what did Donald Trump see and what came across his desk, that's obviously many of these payments, like including car payments for these leases for these Mercedes-Benz were approved by Donald Trump. There was also evidence that showed he had had conversations with Weisselberg about getting an apartment for him that it was going to be paid for by the Trump Corporation. So there were many indications that Trump knew that's Bloomberg legal reporter Patricia Hurtado speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. You can catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLaw. Go. Straight ahead, we'll get a check of your latest business headlines, all the news you need to start your day. Hour two of Bloomberg Daybreak starts right now. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street. The promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, Top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.